Hello, and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. Today I wanted to talk about something that, it's funny, Anthony referenced out of 1 Samuel 14. One of the most hilarious stories in the Bible that I think, um, I, I, I would call it a redneck attack plan because it's that, it's that silly, but it's also brilliant. About this guy named Jonathan, and it, and, it's, and it really ties in with the message of Jesus saying like, pray this, that your kingdom will come and your will would be on, on earth as it already is in heaven. Um, because Jonathan's name actually, actually means Yahweh has given. It's like, he's already given it to us. This is already our reality, and we're the ones who contend for it in the here and now. And there was this guy named Jonathan, and he, he, he was the son of the, the very first king of Israel, Saul. And, but he had, he had a, at least it seemed like he had a knack in 1 Samuel 13 and 1 Samuel 14 of, of starting um, stuff. You know what I mean? He, he, would, he, would, he, he liked to whack on the bad guys. He liked to go bang, bang. He liked to start fights. That's what I'm trying to say. And so, so Saul, Saul's son, Jonathan, you know, Saul was reigning a, just a couple of years in a very infant stage of the nation. And uh, Jonathan goes off in 1 Samuel 14, and he attacks a bunch of the Philistines, which were the enemies of the people of God. They were in combination and in cahoots with people that were not even fully of this world. Nephilim, right? People that weren't even fully human beings. And so, really demonically inspired nation. They had it out for the people of Israel. But Jonathan goes and he attacks a garrison of the Philistines in a certain area. And um, what it did was it caused the Philistines to gather together and fight with Israel. Like 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and people as many as the sand on the seashore come to actually line up against Israel, this really small nation. You know, Saul, Saul chose for himself like 3,000 men, um, 2,000 of them were in the mountains, you know, of Bethel, and another 1,000 was with Jonathan, so they're 3,000, but, so Jonathan wants to go start a fight with people 100 times bigger than him, and then they've got 30,000 just chariots, 6,000 horses and all these people, and it's like once Jonathan goes and starts to fight with them, then they all unify against Israel. Now, here's the brilliance of this reality is the mindset of faith is like what we talked about of like somebody like Elisha when the Syrian army gets brought in front of his back door and he thinks, thank you, Lord, you've brought these people to me, even though I'm highly outnumbered. But the mindset of fear is like, you know, Elisha's servant who's like, we're going we're gonna to die. <laughs> you know what I mean? And in this story, Jonathan starts a fight, but his dad gets really, really scared and he gets into some witchcraft and some things and, and, and doing some things he shouldn't do. And so the nation of Israel is basically two years into existence having a king anyways, two years of having a king, and they're, they're already close to getting just wiped off. <laughs> you know, you started a fight with the biggest people group, and like, Jonathan, it's like, dude, you're an idiot. You know, that's basically the vibe if you're reading this through a carnal lens. And so the people are afraid. It says that um, the men of Israel saw the Philistines, the number of them that were there in, in 1 Samuel 13, 6. 
and that they were in danger and they were distressed. So they started hiding in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in holes and in pits. <laughs> Some of them crossed over the Jordan, which is like, it's a spiritual uh, um, parallel to like, I'm, like going back to where you start, like I'm out of here, this is too much for me. You know what I mean? Um, and it was just, just really out of, out of hand. But 1 Samuel 14 starts off with what I think is probably one of the funniest stories in the Bible with Jonathan and his armor bearer. Because also keep in mind, the quote, I put air quotes, army of Israel wasn't really even armed, right? They had pitchforks and stuff. They had like, they had stuff to, to plow and to mow the grass with. They didn't have weapons. And now Jonathan's gone put a target on all of their backs, so, so to speak, you know? So, um, they don't even have weapons except for the king and the king's son, which is, you know, Saul and Jonathan. So Jonathan has a, a, an armor bearer, which I guess is like, a, it's like a caddy, I guess, for a golf player. I don't play golf, but, you know, you catch what's going on. And uh, Jonathan, who means the Lord has given, has a completely different mentality than everyone else. So it says in, in 1 Samuel 14, it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, which he had to be fairly young as well, he says, hey, I got an idea. Come, let us go to the Philistines' garrison that's on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And probably rightfully so. Because dad's panicked, freaked out, transgressed against the Lord. I mean, if you read the story, it's just a bad deal. All of your dad's people. Talk about making your dad upset. Your dad's army is all hiding in what we call strongholds. Dens and in caves and thickets and holes in the ground. They're all just like, I'm out. And so your dad's looking at you like, look what you've done. When I'm in charge, you've gone and done this. Everybody's hiding. Now we're about to be annihilated, you know. So I was like, yeah, it's probably, this is probably wisdom on Jonathan's part, not to tell his dad what his bright idea is, um, his, his strategy is. But he says, hey, let's go over the, to the garrison of the Philistines. It's on the other side. But he didn't tell his dad. He says his dad was sitting there, you know, at a, at a certain place, had about 600 men around him. Um, nobody knew that Jonathan had, had left. Verse 4 picks back up. Jonathan actually, uh, he, he seeks to go over to the Philistines' garrison, and it gives the very specific place in the geography where he was going and where it was. And he says to the young man in verse 6, he says, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from, by, from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer says, do all that is in your heart. I'm here with you according to your heart and soul. And it's like, whoa, that's a mentality. So Jonathan found one guy that was willing to roll with his plan, you know out of everybody else that's hiding out and freaked out. You know, Saul's 3,000, you know, 2,000 for him and 1,000 for Jonathan had been reduced down to 600 people. <laughs> you know what I mean? And Jonathan sneaks off with his armor bearer and is like, hey, let's go over to them. But the thing about it is his inspiration, you can see it, which is to be our inspiration in, in verse 6. He says something to which David says a few chapters later when he sees the Nephilim, the giant. And he says, let's go over to them, they're uncircumcised. And that right there, that little, that little line right there, is that 
he's got it in his mind, a fearless view of this, what would otherwise be an absolutely terrible idea. And that fearlessness comes from the fact that we have a covenant with God where His people and they are not. I don't care how many of them it is. Let's go just check them out. Let's go, let's go over there and um, let's, let's, let's go front these boys. Amen. And it's just like, dude, you, you're, you know, it's, it's pretty wild. So let's, let's go check them out. But his mentality is just like our mentality in the earth. We have this covenant that's been given us by the Lord. We have this reality of this of the cross, of the redemption, of the, of the wine, the new covenant, of the bread, which is the broken body that severs us from the effects of the fall. We have this reality that we're contending for, this covenant that we have, that we're walking around in the world. And a lot of times we walk around things and see them and tuck our heads down and just walk right on by. When we're the agents, just like Jonathan was and his armor bearer, it's like, no, these people have no right to be here surrounding all of us having all of our people afraid. You know, a lot of people were in victim and survival mode. Jonathan and his buddy, they're in straight up attack mode. So his armor bearer says, do everything that's in your mind, everything that's in your heart, everything that's in your soul. All those words are there in the language. And Jonathan's... Jonathan says, very well, let's cross over to these men and show ourselves to them. <laughs> if they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we'll stand still in our place and not go up. But if they say to us, come up here, then we'll go up for the Lord has delivered them into our hand and this will be a sign to us. Amen. And I can just look at this. This is like playing like, football in your backyard as a kid on your, with your neighbors and somebody's drawing up the play on his hand like, all right, you go this way, you go this way, you go that way. You know what I mean? It just seems, it just seems like such a dumb redneck plan to me, to be honest. I don't know else, how else to say that, but they're just like, hey man, I got an idea. The Lord might, we have the covenant with God. They do not. Let's go show ourselves. What are, what's the plan? Let's go show ourselves to the bad guys. Let's go, let's go, let's go get out in front of them. Okay. What else? What else? Well, if they say, hold on a minute, we're coming to get you, then we'll stand our ground. It's like, so we're not going to run? No, we're going to fight them. Okay. But if they say, come up here, come up here, then we'll go up to them and we'll fight them up there. <laughs> you know, and you're just like, okay. So you want to fight or you want to fight? You ever have a friend that just wants to get into a fight? Nobody's from Florida in here, except for me. You have some friends that are just like, yeah, he was looking at me wrong. Or she, you know, I was like, hey, man, I think you're looking for something. I think Jonathan's looking for something here. He's like, give me a reason. But, um, but I love that, that it'll be a sign. If they call us up, that'll be a sign that the Lord's given to us. <laughs> so you go, you show yourself to a group of people that's bigger than you, and it was only about 20 of them at this post, but 20 verse two, might have been a little bit more, a couple dozen. But you wanna go show yourself, if they talk trash to us and call us out, then that means God's given them to us. Like, that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. Of course that's gonna happen, man. They're here, they're here to do that. That's why they're here is to fight us, you know? But yeah, 
I love it, man. So if they do, if they say it, it'll, it'll be a sign. And so verse 11, so both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And surprise, surprise, here's the Philistines. They start talking trash to them. Hey, look, the Hebrews are coming out of their halls where they've, where they've been hidden. <laughs> yeah, good one, man. Look at them. The men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer, and they said, come on up here. We'll show you something. That's what the new King James says. I got something to show you up here. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're up there listening to Def Leppard or something, it sounds like. They're up there like, these are some, these are some, you know, they're up there rocking and rolling, just like, yeah, I got something to show you. Come on up here. I got something to show you. And then Jonathan looks over to his armor bearer, and what does he say? Come up after me. The Lord's delivered them into our hands. <laughs> like, the sign has been given. <laughs> Let's go after them, dude. <laughs> oh, gosh. Like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, yeah, this is it. That's, dude, I said it would happen like that. You ever have people that are like prophetic or spiritual and they, they make signs out of stuff and you're like, ah, I got a sign. The Lord told me it was good. And you're like, ah, you, you really reaching about that. I think you want that and that's a sign, you know. Well, I think the way you distinguish something like that, type of uh, just tomfoolery, is the sign that they were given was, was in full agreement and alignment with the covenant that God had made for them. Amen. You know what I mean? It wasn't just like, yeah, I, I want that F-250. If, if, he, if he puts it on the corner of the lot, it's going to be a sign that that's, that's for me to go by. Like, now hold on now. <laughs> they call that a sign. You know what I mean? But, and there's nothing wrong with that kind of thing. You know, wanting nice, a big, big, I know I'm in Texas. Don't talk about the 250s, right? But, but there's something about this being in alignment with the Lord's will and His plans and His purposes. And the Lord's given me a sign. It's like, well, yeah, it violates His covenant. That's all the sign we need. You know? The thing is settled. And that's where they were. So Jonathan looks over his shoulders like, there's our sign to, to his armor bearer. Which his armor bearer's like, you got that right, brother. Let's get him, you know. Just a couple little, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's something. Let's get it. Let's get it. Um, so it says, Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him. And that's strange in itself. So it's like they weren't even, this wasn't like charging. You know what I mean? And can I have the high ground? Like they had the low ground. You know what I mean? They're going to like, oh, you want some of this? Hold on a minute, I'm climbing up there. I'm crawling up there. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you guys are something else. It would look completely and totally foolish if it wasn't of faith and of the kingdom. And I think sometimes that stuff does look totally foolish. You know? But you know what else I think this is? Well, I'll get to that maybe. I'll probably forget, but I'll try. So they start crawling up there on their hands and knees. And um, he climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer. And it says, and they fell before Jonathan. Jehonathan. Sounds so much cooler when you say it like that. And as he came after him, his armor bearer killed them all. Wow. The first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within about a, an acre of land. So these 20 guys, that's talking about, we did, they didn't even sneak up and have the drop. They crawled up 
They were probably laughing. They were already laughing. Hey, look, some of them come out of their little holes. These little dogs crawling up to us. He's climbing up. Look at him. A little mountain goat. Ah, you know, he's talking to just... If I'm doing the movie, it's all kind of trash. You know it was. It's war, man. They're, they're letting them have it. And, um, but they're literally crawling up to him. And then somehow Jonathan, Jehonathan, gets... He gets around these guys, man. He gets around on them without his weapons because his buddy's carrying them. His caddy's carrying his sword probably because it says they fell before him. You know what I mean? You watch Matrix 2 or something like that. You know, like this is a fight that happens to where he's dropping people. He's getting, he's getting the drop and dropping these guys in about an acre of land. So there's a group of them, but some of them are running off, man. It'd be like a Quentin Tarantino movie if I made this scene right here. It would be real, dude. Some of them boys start running away when they see the power that's coming off of these guys. But they're getting around, catching these boys. And the armor bearer, the one that's holding the weapons of the Lord, that's us. He's, the Lord's knocking them down and he's taking them out. Or Jonathan's talk, knocking them down. The Lord has given, his name means has laid it out before him, and he's finishing it off. That's good. You know, and I don't know what that looks like, if he's just walking around with a sword like this, with the, with the thing pointing down like, ah! <laughs> and then running over the next guy that he knocked down on the ground or knocked out. Ah! You know, I don't know what that looks like, how he's hacking, but, but I, uh, this is a rated R <laughs> show. This isn't a family service, you can tell. You know, but, but he's doing, doing his deal. He's been set up for victory. And here they lay these 20 people out. But there was something even more that happened that was supernatural, that was spiritual. I mean, obviously it was supernatural for them to crawl up there and win. Um, but it says, this happened, these, this first slaughter of about 20 people. It says, there was trembling in the camp and in the field and among the people. Remember how many thousands of people? 30,000 just on chariots, 6,000 that were on horses. And then a people that was so numerous you couldn't count. So there's 100,000 people out there. Philistines now encamped against the 600 that were left that weren't hiding in the caves. Yeah, that's a big, that's a big group. But whatever happened in this, this confrontation says there was such a trembling through all the garrisons and the raiders that they also trembled. And it says that the earth quaked and, a, and there was a very great trembling. It sounds like Matthew 27, 51. Yeah, when Jesus breathed his last breath and the veil was torn from top to bottom in the holy place and the earth quaked. Remember that story? Yeah, that's, that's our bread and butter. The earth quaked when he breathed his last breath. The veil was torn from top to bottom. He, he did something, he set something loose that was the covenant that was set that actually opened heaven back onto earth and gave us the keys again, the keys of death and hell. You know what I mean? The ones we had given away in the garden to, to the enemy himself, to their leader. You know, And now, the whole thing's changed. This is all prophetic. Doesn't it say that in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11? These things happened for us. These things did happen, but they happened for us to see them. It's not taking the Bible out of context. It is taking it in full context if it's put... It's, if it's put in line with the true covenant that Jesus paid for, it's like, yeah, we're not, 
we're not sissying around about this, what we believe and don't believe. If it's settled, it's just going to be settled, you know. And uh, that's, that's what's going on here. But there was an earthquaking and a, and a trembling. And it says the watchmen go and they tell Saul. And they're like, <laughs> Saul's confused. Like, what's happening? I can imagine them all getting afraid. Earthquake. And they hear all these screams and roaring of this military. And, eh, you know, they're already tucked away scared. But what they didn't realize is they called roll to see who was with them. And, they, and surprisingly, it says in verse 17, surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor bearer weren't there. The ones who had started the whole thing in the last chapter in the first place. You know? And so Saul says, bring the ark, bring the priests. Saul had the people assemble together uh, with him. And they assembled, they became an army again, instead of just being cowards. But it says they assembled and they went into battle and indeed every man's sword was against his neighbor and there was very great confusion. This is not the Israelites, like, this is the Philistines. There was such a supernatural shockwave of people having faith and belief and taking God at his actual word. Right, Martha? Do you believe this, Martha? John 11. Like, do you actually believe this? Like, he's wanting people to believe what he says, even when the reality doesn't seem to line up with it, to believe his in order to implement it. That is the war we're in, you know? And it's just like, okay, Martha, do you believe this stuff? And that's what's actually happening. Some people actually did believe. They got in a little trouble the first round, and it looked like what they did started a fight that they bit off more than they could chew. But guess what? It didn't deter them because they believed in the covenant. This covenant that Jesus did, we had nothing to do with that he paid for in blood. Jonathan had nothing to do in his arm bearer with the covenant that they had. They were circumcised in that old covenant. When they were eight, eight days old, they had nothing to do with it. They didn't even remember that it happened or know that it happened. Anything else would have been really strange to them. You know what I'm saying? It was the way it was, and it is the way it is. It's settled, you know? And here they are. They're trembling, and the enemy's actually turning upon themselves, attacking themselves. Man, and I think this is such a prophetic, prophetic picture for us. Even, again, Romans 8, like all things work for the good for those who are called according to those purpose. Like there is no victim in this life. And I think Anthony started off with that. It's just like, hey, man, they literally... We literally have the ability to see even the, the enemy crossing the line as an opportunity in the kingdom. Yeah. It's like, wow, so you want to display yourself strong on our behalf here. You're wanting to add to our faith. You're wanting to take us to a different level of belief, of understanding. There's some things we have believed wrongly about you, and you're wanting to bring them into alignment. Thank you for the trial. So you got people like James, Jesus' half-brother, talking about count it all joy be thankful that you enter into trials of various kinds because you have this knowledge that it's actually producing something in your faith and patience. Like it's giving you something to which you'll have more authority because you will ha your, your belief will be rooted in a more powerful way in the world. And that translates to spiritual authority to make things to force change in the earth. Amen. That's Christianity. And the gates of hell are not, not able to prevail against it. It is very combatant. And it, the more we see this stuff, it's like the Son of God was manifested, John said, to destroy the works of the devil. And so what does it mean to be a son or a daughter of God? It means we're called into the family business, which is to wreck the works, the facade of what the enemy has actually thrown over the earth. 
I love Isaiah 25. It says, in Isaiah 25, verse 7 and 8, he says about, this is the new covenant. It says, he will swallow up and destroy on this mountain the covering that is cast over all people, the veil that is spread over all nations. This, this fake, call it the matrix, call it the simulation, call it whatever you want, this place was framed by the word of God. So that, that which is seen was created by that which is unseen. That's Hebrews 11.3, right? It doesn't mean that this place is evil. It means that it is lesser than the reality we're called to manifest. But there are people or things, and they're kind of people, that are evil, that have actually tried to throw a facade and paint a picture over this frame to dictate reality, to keep mankind capped in fear and insecurity so that he never sees who he truly is. And God comes down, morphs, you know, transforms himself, right? Philippians 2, he comes as a, as a, as a human, as a, as a man, so that we actually see him and become unlocked by what we see. Amen. Then he makes a covenant with us that's even greater than the covenant that Jonathan had, right? And he empowers us and he says, now the family business is for you. And the more we see him as we truly are, as he truly is without a veil, 2 Corinthians 3, the more we're transformed into that image, which doesn't just mean we look. It's not about looking. It's about our being. It is our being, our essence, our transformative power, the giftings of the Spirit. Like, this is what it looks like to walk with the Lord. Jesus, like Jonathan, the Lord has done, past tense, the Lord has given, Right? Following him like an armor bearer, if our mind seek first the kingdom above all things, have no priorities over. When we come into agreement with him, even if the rest of the whole the whole team is trembling, Jonathan's like, hey, I got an idea. We're going to do this, 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 this. The armor bearer or us, with the giftings of the spirit, the things that he's given us, the armor, the weaponry of the, you know, the put on the armor of God, brother, amen, you know, the sword of the spirit, and the shield, you know, all those things, right? So it's like you're literally walking with him in a way that he's like, I got an idea. You ready to follow me up here? And it's just like, that's the dumbest plan I've ever heard. That's going to put us vulnerable. I don't think so, brother. I'm out. That's, that's the normal. That's, that's normal. That's not logical. They have the high ground. You saw what happened to Anakin. They have the high ground. We can't crawl up to them. You know, I mean, this is foolish. Look what the rest of the church, I mean, the people are doing here. They're all hiding in caves, strongholds. You know what I'm saying? They paint themselves like they're doing certain things and they, they don't never change. And, you know, it's fine. It's okay. We'll go to heaven when we die. Why do we have to have it now? It's so scary. You know? Yeah. And Jesus is like, I got an idea. But what's, what's that? What's the wholehearted devotion? The Joshua Caleb. Caleb, wholehearted. Do everything that's in your mind. Do everything that's in your heart. If it's in your soul, it's in my soul. Let's, let's get it. Yeah. That's what he said. In a sense, it really is in Hebrew, but you know that's my English translation. You know, uh, but you know, that, I mean, that's, that that was the heart of the armor bearer. And what did the armor bearer find when he came up there? The enemy was laid down before him, already defeated before him. It's like, yeah, now remove it, now remove it. You know what I mean? It's just like, man, what a story. These things were written for us. These things were written for us. The Bible says. Yeah, it's beautiful. I will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all nations, the 
the veil that is spread over all people, Isaiah 20, um, 5 verse 7. I love that. There's, there's a veil, there's a covering, there's a cap. And our job is to live above it, live a different reality. It's not like, you're going to go to hell when you die, but you can go to heaven if you join my club. So join my club, and then we'll wait, and then we'll go to heaven. It's like, no, the reality is like, hey, on earth as it already is in heaven, this is our essence, this is our, this is our evangelism, to live the success of God in the world in a way that, like, how do you do that? I'm like, well, actually, I didn't do it. I just follow I just follow a guy that seems kind of crazy sometimes, but we, but we win somehow. <laughs> you know, it's great. You know, it's his pleasure to, 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 to literally make a mockery out of what we've said as limitations in the world. Oh, it's his pleasure all day long to, to take us and, and to make his people arise and shine in a way that people see what they, I want what they've got. The peace and the joy, that is absent in the world. Without chemicals, for the most part, it is absent. You know? and, um, but there's that veil. He was going to swallow it up. He was going to destroy it. And he did 2,000 years ago. It says, he will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke of his people he will take away from the earth for the Lord has spoken. This is a spiritual reality that 1,993 years ago um, was completely set for all time. And that reality, that realm where it, is, where it is completely reality overlaps this one and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And those who actually are called to manifest it are the ones that actually exist as human beings. The representation of God. We're bringing the earth realm into alignment with the will of our Father. You know? I love that. When the veil was torn like we talked about, that veil that he's prophesying in Isaiah 25, it's like from top to bottom, this symbol, symbolism of this, this go-between, this connection to God, it's also the realms of heaven and earth because that's where heaven and earth met through all Judaism. Um, but it's like the veil wasn't removed. You know? But it was ripped from top to bottom. Oh, yeah. So it's there. Yeah. It's still there. Yeah. You know what I mean? But... It doesn't keep us out. That's good. And those messengers that Jesus prophesied, you know, about Jacob's ladder, and he and he, set, he called himself Jacob's ladder in John one. They ascend and descend upon him. Ascend into the heavens, and they bring heaven onto the earth. It is a conveyor belt. He, it is a back, and it is forth. It is the priest that would go in to the holy place and out. It is now we are the kingdom of priests. We go in. We saturate, we grab a hold, and we come out and we release it. A lot of times when we're going in and we're coming out, it looks, it's so small and seems so insignificant like a mustard seed, but we're taking those seeds and we're releasing them here. And we go to sleep. And day and night it grows even though you don't know how. You know, we're not even doing it. We're not watering it. We're not, we're not staring at the ground. You know what I'm saying? He said the kingdom was like a man who sows the seed and he goes to sleep and it grows without him even knowing how or why. It's like what we believe is what we live. We don't live by results, you know, but we get results. Dick? All right. What's the point? I think I, I, think I circled around into that point enough. Jonathan, the name means Yahweh has given. 
you know, Peter said he has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything we need has already been done. Yeah. John the Baptist said the same thing. John the Baptist, John 3. John the Baptist said, he does not give the Spirit by measure. It's like when John the Baptist, you know, in that verse there, he's talking about, hey man, when this thing cracks off, talking about this new covenant, I don't, he called him the Lamb, so he knew the covenant was being set. But when this thing happens, it ain't going to be by measure. And they're going to be left, you know, let's do a, all meet at the church downtown and pray for a new outpouring of the Spirit. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, no, no. Like, that's what he's saying. Like, we don't need to make an excuse. We need to believe what's been done. He didn't do it by measure. The whole thing's there. The whole thing's given. And it's for us. And it's for us to live. But it's a thought-by-thought -thought basis. It's a thought-by-thought -thought reality. And it's constantly sowing the seeds of the kingdom everywhere we go. And watch it as fruit manifest. <clears throat> So, yes, this new covenant, it is commanding reality. I think we called it a few weeks ago the enforcers of reality, maybe. But he is looking for a people that believe him, agree with him, and take him at his word. Yeah. I've always felt it really disrespectful when people are like, you got to hold God to his word. I, I don't like that at all. I, think, I don't think that's a good way to even talk about the eternal king. Holding him as something as if he's he's still, you know, you know, you did say this, you know what I'm saying? But there is something to believing his word and declaring it and coming into agreement with it no matter what. And watching that thing grow, seeing it take 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 hold in our own minds until until unbelief has just seen its way out of our vessel. So well Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you um for your reality that it is finished as you've said. And um, we come into agreement with you, our Father in heaven, as your sons and daughters on the earth. And we ask that hallowed be your name, separate be your name, that we would be worthy ambassadors of who you really and truly are, that we would manifest you everywhere, that people wouldn't want to run and hide from ambassadors of the kingdom because they're abrasive and annoying and religious, but that they would be drawn to the life and the abundance and the righteousness, the peace, the joy that the, tr that the ambassadors have. We would be those. And we come into agreement. We don't even ask. We come into agreement with your kingdom coming onto the earth and your will being done. Your will, the goodness, the wholeness of, of, of the stripes that you took, of the of the heart that you poured out for us, Lord, for that heart being manifest in the world. We come as a body into that agreement with your will on the earth. We thank you for our daily bread and um, the bread which is your words coming to us. We thank you for the relational connection you, you have with all of us and you desire to have with all of us. Yours is the kingdom and power and glory forever. Amen. Thank you.